over-present. Push yourself to give your best for every single client. You know, look at what's out there and what you love. When you start to develop that mentality, you create this worth work ethic that you're not just pushing out mediocre designs. You design and execute to the best of your ability. What's going on? You're listening to episode 77 of the Perspective Podcast, and I'm your host, Scotty Russell of Perspective Collective. This show is about carving out time to build something for yourself, and I want to share what is and isn't working for me along with sharing my guest point of view. This platform also allows me to cast the spotlight and celebrate those creating big waves of the community through interviews and a weekly dose of inspiration in the outro. Make sure to check that out. It could be you. And quick announcement... Next week, don't miss out on your boy speaking at one of the largest Midwest entrepreneurial and innovation conferences in Cedar Rapids, Iowa called Entrefest. On Friday the 18th to be exact, I'll be speaking from 10.30 to 11.30 a.m. and you better believe pizza will be delivered during my talk. There are still some tickets available and the main keynote speaker is Scott Belsky of Behance and 99U. Don't miss out and get your tickets at entrefest.com. That's E-N-T-R-E-F-E-S-T.com. Let's get real for a second. You and I live in a digital age where human zombies are glued to their screens and expect instant stardom after hitting publish. When overnight success isn't unlocked, it's easier to quit and hop on board the next trend that may help them strike gold. One of the harder lessons I've learned in life is that there are no shortcuts. Everything takes time. I'm talking countless hours, days, weeks, months, and years obsessively hammering away at honing your craft. Something we have to remind ourselves is that continuing to show up when it's not convenient and going that extra mile in your work can help you edge closer to catching that looming breakthrough. This brings me to today's guest, the homie, Matt Vergotas, a.k.a. The Verg. Matt is a prime example of being surgical with practice, having patience while knowing when to disconnect from the digital world. When he's not surfing the Gold Coast or spending time with his family, you can find him crushing corporate identities, branding, logos, type design, calligraphy, hand lettering. Jesus, this dude does it all. And it's a trip when I'm on Spotify listening to some of my favorite playlists and I know one of the titles that he's crafted pops up. You know, it just makes my listening experience that much better to see my homies on one of the most used music apps in the world. Matt is a down-to-earth, super energetic dude, but he knows how to throw down and get to work. So in today's episodes, we surf around topics such as putting in the time and deliberate practice, the importance of presentation and going the extra mile, creating for you and your future clients, not for Instagram, having multiple creative outlets, breaking curation, and experimenting with different styles. When we recorded, my expectations were shattered with this episode, and his transparency on pricing is what I think you'll sink your teeth into the most. He was very, very transparent. You can find the show notes to this episode containing Matt's rad work and all the resources we chat about at perspective-collective.com slash 77. If you think someone can find value in this episode, 
please give it a share on social media. It's because of your word of mouth that the show keeps on growing and you know I love you for it and you better believe I see it. So thank you, thank you, thank you. And finally, if you catch some inspiration from the show, create some work and tag me at Perspective Podcast on Instagram. I'll give it a share where I post each week's episode artwork and make sure you get some credit and some love in return. Let's get into the show. What's going on today? I'm joined by Matt Fergotis, aka The Verg, who has me hooked on saying you, if you've heard me in past episodes, <laughs> but I'm stoked to finally have you on the show, Matt. What's new in your world? Cheers, Scotty. Thanks for having me, mate. I'm uh, I'm stoked to be here on this uh, podcast. It's, uh, it's unreal. I've been uh, listening to a few of your past episodes and uh, you're doing a great job, mate. Loving it. Appreciate it. What, what's going on? What's the weather like with you right now? Well, it's uh, nine o'clock in the morning. It's actually a pretty perfect day. Um, blue skies. Yeah, it's autumn, which is a great time of year. Usually, we've, we've had a lot of rain, actually, the last, say, I don't know, month or two. It's probably been the wettest um, autumn I can remember. But um, today, the sun's out, so it's all good. Yeah, so we just had like a really nice day yesterday. And then today, I woke up to a thunderstorm, then to hail, then sleet. And now we're getting like six inches of snow. Awesome. So... Good old Iowa weather, but regardless, I-, I wish I was where you were, but for those who don't know in my audience, can you give us a brief Wikipedia page summary about yourself and the crooked path that's gotten you to where you are today? Well, um, yeah, Matt Vergottis, um been self-employed for the last nine years, encroaching 10, so um, that's pretty cool. Uh, I specialize in corporate identity, and with that, a lot of topography, um, so brush pen lettering, calligraphy, I write a lot of titles. Uh, for companies like Spotify, father of two gorgeous daughters, self-obsessed surf nerd, like always surfing. Yeah, live and breathe surfing. That's that's my um, that's at, at the root of who I am. That's that's pretty much uh, you know the number one thing. Um, guitar enthusiast. That's been my last thing of the last <laughs> last year. I've been trying to teach myself how to play the guitar, which is um, challenging and fun and rewarding and frustrating all, all in one. How did I get? To hear the crooked path um, from school, I, I had a couple of graphic design related jobs that, you know, where I was doing, you know, junior roles, creating adverts for magazines and stuff like that. And then I, I went into um, the newspaper industry. And from there, I was creating editorial pages, like doing big layouts. This is when, like, your first versions of Quark Express were out and, you know, you know, your first versions of Photoshop. So everything just started to go in-house rather than, you know, on, that was digital rather than sort of printing out bromides and, you know, copying, you know, cutting things up and laying out headlines and pictures like that. That taught me how to get up to speed real quick with design layout, doing um, editorial layouts. You know, if you're working for a, a weekly newspaper, you know, everything comes in at the last minute and you have to, you know, work out hierarchy of pages and, you know, it, it was actually really fun. I enjoyed that aspect. Then I um, kind of moved into the advertising side of things and I was doing lots of adverts. Uh, so like car adverts, real estate adverts and all of that sort of really boring stuff. And, oh man, I, I got so sick of using a flatbed scanner that to this day, if someone asks me to scan something, I, I sort of shudder and quiver and I'm like, Ugh. You, know, you know, when you're laying out newspaper ads that have got 20 odd 
cars and stuff like that. You've got to scan them and depatch all the cars and all of that. So I had a lot of, um, you know, basic graphic design um, tasks in the early, early days. And then it sort of evolved into corporate identity. Um, I started doing special layouts for certain companies w- within the uh, Fairfax media. And yeah, I moved to, where did I, I moved to London and then I got a job at a design agency and that was all branding, corporate identity. And yeah, so basically that took me to about nine years ago and I went out on my own and I realized I wanted to specialize in what I love. And what I love is at that time was designing logos. So I made an effort to uh, just, you know, knuckle down and do that as best as I possibly can. And so from there, logo design turned into the bigger picture, doing corporate identity. So creating all the visual assets and all the assets that support the company, like, you know, your colors, your, you know, your patterns, your icons, your, your, all, all those devices that make a, a, a company visually appealing. Then some, somewhere along the lines, lettering just came into it. And um, I think there was this one client that uh, I decided needed to have this signature style logo. And I, I, I decided I was looking around at beautiful lettering at that, that period of time. And I'd, I'd created logos, you know, hand-drawn logos in the past, but not to that sort of beautiful aesthetic that I was seeing. And I, I, I decided to really concentrate on trying to do that as best as I can for this client. And I just became in love with it. And that sort of just snowballed into like so many inquiries following that because I published that job online. Where'd you publish it? Just on your website or I, I know you and Colin Tierney a couple of episodes back, you were in the early days of like Logo Pond before Dribble. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. So that's where I first started um, uh, publishing my work there in Behance. Uh, I think people would have seen it on Behance because I did a bit of a presentation on it there and I you know, I got into Behance quite early and I, I guess, yeah, the following sort of started to, you know, kick on there. But, um, yeah, early days it was Logo Pond and then Behance and then that, you know, Logo Pond sort of morphed into Dribble, and I, you know, became obsessed with publishing there. And so sites like that really um, kick-started all, all the inquiries that I started getting for lettering commissions. Well, then how'd you get into type design too? Because you, you kick out your own typefaces. Well, it's all related. So basically with – because I was designing lots of logos. So my year would look like 40 to 50-odd logos a year and, and you know, each one of those logos and, you know, and the identity that would go with it. In the early days, I just wanted everything to be – and still to this date, uh, you know, the best work that I could put forward. And, you know, I was passionate about the craft of creating these logos and I found it more enjoyable to actually design the typeface of the logo type rather than – just picking a font and choosing it. Sure, there were some, you know, there, there, there are a stack in my portfolio that are chosen fonts that I might have, you know, manipulated in some way to give it some sort of unique personalization. But uh, more often than not, I was creating the typeface from the ground up because I simply found it easier to infuse the values of the company. That That's the main reason. Uh, second reason, I enjoyed doing it. And yeah, I guess there was this love of letter forms that evolved from that. And so one day I, I, and I think this is where this is leading. One day I designed this logo and I love the letters that I created and I decided to see if I could create a, a font out of it. And that, that sort of then led to um, an even deeper <laughs> um, obsession with designing uh, typefaces. Well, and I've seen you outside of your love for branding and identity. I've seen 
you know, the surfing side of you and the waves kind of shine through your work of illustrations. Like I, I've seen you throw down on a nice little series of waves not too long ago just to switch things up. Yeah. You got some illustration skills to you too. If we go way back at school, drawing was my thing. You know, like many, um, you know, graphic designers, I was kind of the kid that could draw and, you know, that, that, that was my, you know, power at school you know, the, the cool thing that I could do yeah and, and, and my first job I actually was doing a fair bit of cartooning as well not that I ever started the job to be a cartoonist or, or anything like that but there was a there was a period of about six months um where I was where I was doing a fair bit of that so yeah I, then I stopped drawing and like I stopped drawing for so long I I almost just put it on the shelf it's like I don't know why but I I, I think Maybe because we got we were jumping on the computers and everything was digitalized in those early early days and I just lost touch with it and I always knew that I could do it but I I just didn't um, and that's where I guess falling in love with lettering and drawing um, lettering style logos and you know lettering art pieces and stuff like that. Um, you know, struck a chord with me because it, it brought me back to the, the, you know, the pens and paper, pencils and paper and all of that. So it got me illustrating again, you know, albeit being, you know, letters as opposed to say waves or people or, or, or whatever. The waves that you're talking about, that was about a year ago. Um, I think, yeah, it was one summer. I just, I decided that I wanted to do something different, just, you know, to shake things up a bit. And I was following a guy that was drawing some incredible waves and um i just loved what he was doing and i thought well let me do my spin on it you know it was a guy called jonas draws and there's this there's another guy and i'll try and remember it so you can put it in your notes but yeah i just love what he was they were doing and i thought well, okay i'm, I'm going to try and put my spin on it you know not copy but just sort of you know draw waves like i used to when i was a kid but sort of turbocharge it now with you know, I guess the skills that have evolved through throughout my life. And I really enjoyed it. I, I probably did a series of about 12 waves and that was fantastic. And I, I am going to do it again. I want to, I want to try and do it large scale on a mural. I was, I was in your ear on that one. Keep pushing you on those for sure. I love seeing it. You were fantastic. You gave me so much encouragement and I'll be honest, mate, I, I, I've got such respect for you and your illustrations and your work ethic that, that you put into it. Every single day, you're you know you're you're pumping out you know illustrations and and I understand and I understood why you did it when I was doing it because you know of an evening I wouldn't switch on the television or my wife would watch something and I'd sit there and I'd draw and it was just this place that I really enjoy and, and for some reason I stopped I think I guess work probably got in the way or something like that. You're a busy dude. Yeah, you're a busy dude. Busy dude. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, it's something that I want to get back into. Well, you already know I'll be in your ear pushing you on, especially if you do a series. I'd love to see a mural. That'd be so dope, especially if you can like weave in some kind of calligraphy or some kind of letters in with it too, like tie the lettering illustration together. I'd be hooked. Well, something that I'm trying to think of how to do is somehow creating a word that is comprised of the wave, like the wave actually makes up you know, the form of the lettering and stuff like that. So it'd be a series of waves that are either refracting around a, like looks like it's refracting around a point that, you know, forms the, the, the curve of, you know, a letter or something like that. I don't know. This is your public challenge right now for me then. I want to see it with by the end of this year, somehow, even if it's a sketch. Excellent. You say it and it will happen. Exactly. Speak your thoughts into existence. Well, don't get me wrong. So I hold, I hold down the day job and, you know, we're in a mastermind group together and I see some of these young guns 
and people like yourself that are crushing what, from my perspective, you know, uh, the job of your dreams, working for yourself. And here I am with my day job and I'm learning that that's just part of my story right now. It's what I need to do and where I need to be. But at the same time, that full-time freelance life isn't always easy. And what have been some of your obstacles and adversities you faced along the way, you know, getting clients or maybe when work wasn't always coming in or how do you balance the family life and what do you do on weekends? You know, how, how do you, what are some of the highs and lows that come with it? Cause not every, it's not always just sunshine and rainbows. There's a lot of shit with the sunshine. So. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the big one is the lulls of work. It's been nearly 10 years that I've been doing this and they still happen. You still get these lulls. You've got to stay busy through the lulls to, to pull yourself out of the lulls. Look, I, I have been so active on social media in the early stages of my life. I've pulled way right back over the last couple of years, which feel a little bit burnt out. Yeah. A bit burnt out with social media. Um, so I, I don't know, like I, understand and appreciate the importance of it but I find if, if I look back you know over the last nine years the, the challenging parts have been when I when I've just been too active and too consumed with social media and so every now and then I've just got to take a step back from it um, I have a very balanced life I'm not a workaholic I um, you know I surf a lot I spend a lot of time with my family you know I teach my daughters how to surf and you know I'm, I'm practicing you know, to become better at, you know, the guitar and stuff like that. So I'm not a workaholic with work. I've, I've got a, I've got a steady flow of work that's been coming through, which enables me to have that sort of balance and not stress out about things. When things go quiet, they always seem to turn around. So I I guess when things do get quiet, as long as I can then kick into that, okay, I've got to start hustling or I've got to start getting active on social media again to, to remind people I'm out there and stuff like that. Remind them that you exist. Yep. Yeah, exactly. I, I do a fair bit of regular work at the moment with one client, Spotify, which is, which has been fantastic. That rap caviar life. Yeah, that's it. So, um, that's, that's a lot of fun. How did you land that opportunity? Like, you know, is that just one you reminded people you exist through social media and they came to you? I don't know exactly how they find me. I found me. I think I've, I think it was through one of the jobs that I did for Troy Savan, who's a musician, an Australian musician. He's, um, I did the album cover for him and his album did really well. He's, he's hugely popular. Like if you haven't heard of him, he's like one of the most popular people you've never heard of. Um, I hadn't heard of him when I did, when I started the commission. And then the next thing, my brother called me out of the blue and said, Hey, you know that uh, that album title you did for Troy Savan, it's up on Times Square because he saw it on the news. I think he, he appeared on the morning show here and he did a live performance and they, they showed some stuff. And and then he was on the Ellen DeGeneres show and, and um, Jim Fallon show and all of that, holding my artwork. Um, I have a feeling Spotify may have found me through that because um, I, you know, again, I backed it up with doing a presentation and publishing it online. On Behance? On Behance, yep. Okay. Behance is, yeah, I, I don't publish as much as what I used to there, but it, it's a fantastic place for, for design. It's almost like you build a case study there, right? It's not just like, here's an image like you would on Instagram or maybe like a swipe album. You actually build like a thought out presentation of it, a case study. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, you know, show process. People love seeing process and stuff like that. People fall in love with process because they see yeah. how, you know, got there, you know, from the, from the early stages where things don't look, you know, 
flash and desirable, but they see how you've sort of... They look like shit, yeah. Yeah, exactly, and how you've flexed your muscle to get to that, and, you know, that, you know, that desirable and, and, and product. But, um, yeah, I'm pretty sure that's how they found me. And so, basically, at the moment, I design titles for them. I also design typefaces that pretty much turn into fonts um, for a lot of their music sections, for the, a lot of the, the little, little mini sort of documentaries and profiles that they do on various musicians, um, Rap Caviar being one of them. Uh, there was Rock This for the rock um, section, uh, Viva Latino. Also, there's the country music section. It's no biggie. <laughs> Damn, dude, killing it, man. Yeah, so it's, re- it's really cool. And, and I love that so much at the moment because it's, it's getting grubby with the tools and just doing calligraphy and it, it for me i love i love all that hands-on sort of stuff i want to talk about pricing in a second but i had dominique fala from typism on the show yeah and she said that she did a workshop uh, online course with you and stood over your shoulder and you literally will write the same word over and over and over again like you're so surgical and tedious about your practice yeah have you always been like that you know i i guess that's just the way the way i've done things so like let's say i've got a logo that's how the things are supposed to be done though people just can't yeah. like roll out of bed and shit perfect calligraphy you know like <laughs> exactly. there's hours and hours of deliberate practice behind it and when she told me that i just like it already bumped my respect game up for you but having someone else tell me about it you know that that's cool when you hear from someone else. That's what you've got to do. It's it, it's exactly what you've got to do. There's there's no shortcuts to this thing. I think it's all very easy to learn. Like I think you just got to put in the time. You got to put in those little micro sessions. You know, often, and you, you start to pick it up. But like for example, like my process, if I'm designing a logo that wants a brush pen style, or I'm doing it. With the titles now for rap caviar and stuff like that, I've got it pretty down pat the style because I've already established it. I've done it a thousand times, ten thousand times, so I can now write all of those letters and first go and get it. But if I'm trying something new for for a new logo that's got a certain look um, or, or a certain group of letters that where I'm trying to push certain ligatures and stuff like that, I will. I'll just write it over and over and over and just keep writing it and writing it and writing it and until it just gets smoother and smoother and smoother. And, you know, sometimes you nail it in the perfect go. Sometimes you might have like uh, have to make a composition of, of several of them to, to bring it all together, scan it, and then vectorize it from that. You know, you might like the pairing of a STR in one and then you might like, you know, the, the, the capital letter that you wrote in another and then you just bring it all together. But, you know, if you, if you want to get good at, I guess, the calligraphy side of things, it's just write, repeat, write, repeat, repeat. And, and yeah, and it's like learning anything. Like I'm, I'm learning scales on the guitar because I want to be able to shred an axe and do crazy solos. <laughs> I've just got to keep – I mean, my fingers did not know how to move on the guitar at all. Like that, they were just – it was like they were locked up when I first started. And, man, I was practicing earlier today and I just thought – I have come so much, so far, you know, just by doing it, you know, a little bit every day, every day. And it's it's the same. That's how it is with the gym, you know, and, and fitness in life too. It's like people, it's a little bit each day. That's what it is with anything in life, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, 
if you want it, you will do it because if you want it, you'll enjoy the process. I've enjoyed the process always, even with the challenging parts. I've got this competitive nature with me where if I can't do something, like when I'm doing the scales and my fingers are just acting all, you know, um, ridiculous and they just don't want to like, it's like, okay, no, I've got to get this. I've got to, this is a mental challenge. This is a physical challenge. I can do this and I just keep doing it and then take a step away from it. Don't burn yourself out with it because that's, that's important as well. Going back to kind of the client stuff. Cause I think that's like the meat that a lot of people want to know about. So is most of your work word of mouth based and like online based people finding you, like you don't have to do much outreach, right? Like it's retainer clients and word of mouth and people finding you through uh, Behance or Instagram or dribble. Yeah. So basically, like I was saying earlier in the early days, I did so much, um, you know, social media work where I was pushing everything out on social media on dribble behance um uh instagram and stuff like that uh, i guess that just followed on think you know certain jobs would get either reposted or reblogged and stuff like that and everything i guess fil- filters back to your website so pretty much the majority of my inquiries come organically through my website do you have a questionnaire or anything or do people just fill out a contact form it's basically just a, a very basic contact form where you know and they'll just they'll just I keep it very broad at the start so they just yeah and then what I'll do is um once that inquiry comes through you know I get inquiries that are as short as I need a logo oh my god and I ignore those well see that's the thing right I want to ignore those but some of those have led into you know big jobs that you know 5k jobs and stuff like that and so if you ignore one of them it could be that one uh, I guess any ones that I didn't ignore in the past never turned into anything of people wanting like dirt cheap free work. But usually it doesn't come through the website. It's usually like some DM through Instagram and then you can kind of see like their profile or something. So I guess I should put some contacts behind it. How much you charge for a logo? I'm like, okay. Yeah, exactly. Well, so basically it will come through my website and I reply to everything. Um, but yeah, sure. It's a pretty generic reply. Um, I don't give away everything at the start because that's just too much time unless you've got this copy and paste thing that you do. Basically, in a nutshell, it goes something like um, there there are so many various factors that um, attribute to the cost of a logo. We would need to discuss this further over a Skype. Would you be willing to have a Skype chat and then we can, you know, um, tailor something towards your requirement? That was totally paraphrased, but you know something like that. And if if someone's not willing to have a Skype chat like you and I are right now, and they're not serious, so that weeds out all the bogus inquiries. But I can't ignore every single inquiry, like any inquiry that comes through at the start, because you just never know. When do you ask for a budget? Do you ask for a budget? My process hasn't changed that much over the years. Um, I guess it's been working because I've been self-employed for you know a while now, but it, it's definitely due for for an upgrade. Um, so how it goes is once I have that Skype chat, um, or if they do just send me through a, a bit more of a detailed brief, um, I kind of give a, a a minimum price for a logo design. Right. So I might say, okay, you know, for logo only, it's 3K. Right. But then if you want a visual identity um, presentation that's going to give you all those visual assets that help, you know, give you that desirable presence for your company, 
right? Like the presentations that are on my website and all of that, then it is very budget driven. They can cost anywhere between 5K to 20K, mm-hmm. you know? That all comes down to you and your budget or the, the set list of deliverables that you want to see and the complexity of, of, of you know. So it, it varies for every client. And, of course, then you've got certain clients that are bigger than others as well that has more exposure. So that ends up in the sort of, you know, the higher range. When I had Colin on the episode and something that he taught me a while back was kind of like three-tiered pricing. You have like your, your basic – or your standard, your pro, and then like, or your standard, basic, and a professional plan. Yeah, you know, yeah. and you kind of like filter it. So here's like your logo only. Here's, um, you know, your kind of tailored suite, or here's, you know, with a website or something involved to it too. So that's kind of how you break it along, as well, right? You don't just give them one flat option of something because they could eventually maybe need something more, and you can kind of pivot them into like maybe that second tier of things. Yeah. So. Collins explained that one to me and um, it's it's a great system that I've, I've thought about and I wouldn't mind trialing it as well just to see how it goes. But I kind of like to customize each um, client as they, as they go, really like, you know, get to know what they want, get a feel for their budget um, and stuff and then, you know, work out what the end result is for them. Like, you know, the packaging design can be thrown into it, you know, uh, the complexity of how, how, how packaging can be, can be a, how long is a piece of rope? You know, you can, you can go to great lengths with that. And I, I try and explain that to them and educate them. And so that makes them think, okay, well, look, okay. If, if we want something that looks like this and if they use an example, then obviously it's going to cost and I start throwing some figures um, and stuff like that. So it's, it's really a case of feeling them out. I really appreciate the transparency on pricing because a lot of people don't want to talk about that. If you don't mind, feel free to say no, or especially if you can't. Like, how do you? Yeah. How would you price something like, say, someone just wants a t-shirt designer, a mural designer, maybe like those title screens, you know, for Spotify? With, um, I guess, t-shirt designs, I've I've hardly had any luck with that. That I I can't stand quoting for for t-shirts. I usually do like a flat. 590% of the time, nobody responds. Yeah. And you know what? That's It's ridiculous because they're trying to build, you know, their brand off, off your artwork. Mm-hmm. Profit off you. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, the amount of inquiries I've had for clothing brands, you know, uh, where they're <laughs> yeah. startups and they want to use it for their logo and everything. I mean, like, think about it. Like, and, and they can't, they can't afford $500 for it. Like it's, I've got this system now, like this email, and I've never got anything from it. But I think it's a great system, and I think if anyone's, and I think it's a fair system, and if anyone really wants a designer to create the artwork for their their clothing label and all the t-shirts and all of that that they're going to sell, that there's there's some sort of um, percentage uh, of profits, like a royalty. That works. Yeah, a royalty thing. It, it's a it's a royalty system. It's so you know and. That way, if they do start kicking goals, then both parties win, you know. And that, I haven't <laughs> – no one's been willing to, to go for that because I think a lot of the inquiries you get, you know, there's so many people that think that they can start a, a clothing label and stuff like that. And See, I did that for four years. Yeah. So, like, I, I know what it's like. So when people contact me, which is often, I'm like, yeah, you know, here's kind of a flat, but most of the time it's not even what I want to do anymore, so – what about murals? Murals. Um, 
murals, murals is a tricky one. So I'm doing one on Saturday, um, which I'm looking forward to. So I've only done, I think about seven of them so far. And the first few I did for free. Um, yeah, I just wanted to do it again. It's one of those things you want to do something. You just put yourself out there, and and, and you got to show that you can do it before you can attract to get paid and good money for it. Like my my logos in the beginning were like fifty dollars a pop, you know. But showing that I could do it. And Scotty, I don't know about you, but I've got no backup plan if I make a mistake on a mural. I have no idea what I'm going to do the, the day that happens. I just I just meticulously make sure that I don't go outside that pencil line. <laughs> You projector is that? Have you done projector or pounce pad or what's? I, I do the projector and then I um, uh, do a pencil outline yep, and, yep, yep. and then. Um, but so with murals, it's I'm sort of working that out as I go along with it. I think I, I've underquoted for the first few. Like I think the first few I that I did charge, I think I only charged like a thousand, two thousand. Yet it's it's a good sometimes three or four days out of my life. Yeah, there's a lot of time that go into it. Yeah. So I'm, I'm probably working, I mean, it, it all depends on the size and the complexity and stuff like that. But, you know, I, I'm doing one at the moment, which I charge 3K for, and I think I would charge 5K if I was to do something like that. But then all of a sudden this, that was because it changed a lot through the process. Um, it, it depends. See, I was just told recently by my homegirls, uh, drunk on lettering, pander design. You and you and I both went through the the Roxy and Phoebe yep. torture session. I'm just kidding, love you girls. But uh, <laughs> they told me that they charge like X amount per square footage, and I'm like, damn, I haven't thought about that before. Yeah, that's that's good. What about like titles then? Something like that. How do you go about charging for that? Is it a package deal? Because it's not it's not one at a time. Yeah, no. With with that, it's it's all sort of grouped up with stuff that I do. So it's it's not it's not sort of one off sort of thing. How would you package it up then? If somebody had a scenario like for X amount of words, you would charge this amount. Yeah, probably. You 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 do it like that, but you you've also got to consider the exposure, um, and and the reach. Yeah. Of it as well. So. Do you get to have credit line on that work for Spotify? I don't know. I have no idea. <laughs> like I, I've been looking and listening and I don't see like Bat by Matt Vergotis or anything on it. I, I've got a Spotify account, but uh, I don't know. I haven't seen a lot of them because of um, it. I think it's mainly in America. Do you get free Spotify? I already had it and I don't, I don't want to be that guy that says, you know, can I have a free family account? Oh shit, dude. I totally would. <laughs> I fucking totally would. <laughs> No, nah, they're great. They're a fantastic client. I, 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 I really have enjoyed doing what I do for them over the last couple of years. It, it, it's, it's fun. Like I said, it's, it's, it's getting down and dirty with the tools and it's writing, repeating and making those compositions. And, um, yeah, I really enjoy the work because I, 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 I do such a variety of different styles. So it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. Man, you rock with the transparency. People are going to eat this up, dude. Like this is probably the questions that I get asked the most is more transparency and pricing. So yeah, thank you. That shit was gold. What, what really attracts me to you besides your manly, good boyish looks and, uh, but <laughs> you, you have this bright and positive, upbeat spirit. But you and I both dealt with this last year and feeling beaten down and screwed over by the Instagram algorithm. And it kind of sucks the fun out of, you know, social media. 
Um, how do you deal with this and not let it hold you back from creating or experimenting or going a different route, knowing that people are expecting you to do logos, branding and calligraphy, but here you are chopping up wave drawings. You know, how do you, how do you go about this and not let it, you know, fuck with you and get you down? Cause it beat me down pretty bad last year for eight months. Yeah. Whoa. Eight months. That's, yeah, that's it was big. bad, man. I lost, I lost thousands of people last year. Well, I know my, my numbers have gone down over the last two years. And look, to, to answer your question about, you know, being um, creating and stuff, I'm always creating. I'm always designing. It's just the nature of my job. Um, it's, uh, you know, I'm getting corporate identity commissions throughout the year. I'm just, I'm not publishing as many of them as, as what I could. I'm not publishing my, you know, a lot of the work that I do for Spotify, although I probably should. I, yeah, I got, I got over it. Like I said, I've put so much work into social media over the years. Every now and then I get burnout and then I take a step back and then I, I think about it for what it is. And it's really hard. Like it's, it's very contrasting what I'm about to say, because I've got so much to thank for it. It's given me a clientele base. 80% of my clients come from overseas, probably 90. So that's what I've got to thank for it. It's probably Instagram in, in particular. I don't know. I just find what I don't like about it at the moment is the way this app is designing itself. It's designing itself to reward those people that spend more time on it, that use all the functionalities of it, that are posting regular, that are doing stories, that are commenting as soon as comments come in. And for me, I really detest the whole phone thing like I, I really I think society is w way too consumed with looking at their phone and I, I see Instagram just promoting that with the, how active you have to be on it um, and I don't like that aspect of it so I've had and, and that, that 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 bothered me for a while not eight months but it bothered <laughs> it bothered me for you know a, a good period of time and now I've just taken a step back. I will just post when I'm ready. What and, and if people unfollow me, I don't care anymore because I don't think people are out there unfollowing people because you're not posting. I mean, that does, it just doesn't seem logical that people would be going through your feed. Oh, that person hasn't followed. So uh, the people that love your work are, are always going to stay, you know, true to you, and you know they, they're going to they're going to follow you. I still get incredible feedback from so many people that I. I, I that I am so thankful and humbled by. I guess somehow you have to detach yourself a bit from it so you're not as consumed with it. So if things aren't going well, you're not getting all these likes and all that, it's not going to bother you as much. Like I've kind of hidden the app on my phone a bit now, which to me is... Mine's in a folder on a different screen. Like I have like a social media folder. I don't keep any of that shit on my main screen. I kill all, distra or all notifications Like for those same reasons. I don't need it sucking up my life. Exactly. Like, Scotty, I've got two daughters that are approaching that age and they're, like they're 11 and 8 and they're asking for phones and stuff like that. And they see, they watch their parents, you know, on these things. Or in, in, And we're trying to educate our, our, our daughters that look at, look at the people that are looking at their phones. They're not even talking to each other and stuff like that. And they point it out now. You know, you drive past a bus stop and there's two kids and they're just looking at their phones and stuff like it's it, there's no social like so we're trying we're in no rush to introduce technology um or you know apps apps to them and so i guess leading by example i want to spend less time on the phone um i mean the difference is it's important for me because it's work is it scheduled then like scheduled time on the phone now not just mindless scrolling for no fucking reason 
Exactly, exactly. So, look, I don't know. I see the importance of it, but I also think that we all have to start making an effort to sort of, I don't know, not be too engrossed in it. I don't design for Instagram. And I think that's been one of the maybe the the pitfalls, not pitfalls, but sort of like those hyper curated feeds where it's like you're literally designing for Instagram. You're not designing because you think it's dope. Instagram's never brought in, in any money. My clients bring me in money. So I, I, I put 100% of my time into my clients and what I'm doing for them. And if I can get a nice photo of what I do and share that process, then that's how I will treat my Instagram feed. I'm, I'm not – I'm not willing to sort of um, get wrapped up in designing for the sake of getting likes and stuff like that. That's dope. And and you have your outlets too that don't require being on your phone, like guitar and surfing, you know, and family. I mean, that's that's uh, that's a responsibility as well as an outlet. But you have side outlets that you can also create. Exactly, exactly. But look, don't get me wrong. Like I've fallen victim to it, and that's why I probably have this, you know, strong opinion of it because I've seen you know, my habits, I've seen it take control over me. And I think, well, if I can't control it as an adult, how can kids control it? Do you know what I mean? And I just don't think it's that healthy. Especially when you get your identity wrapped up in needing the affirmations. Like that's kind of how last year was. I'm like, dude, I'm kicking out better work every week, but it's not getting noticed. And I see other people who have shitty work, you know, blowing up. And, you know, I just, it became a reflection of myself and, you know, I'm, glad I'm out of it now. I, I like creating the work that I'm doing right now. And funny enough, it, it attracts clients or murals or whatever it is. So like it, 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 I think you have to go through the, the dark side of it in order to appreciate not having to have it. Exactly. Exactly. And I think there was another question that you had wrapped up in that first question was about publishing different, um, you know, a variety of different work. I, I'm all for that. Um, like, you know, one week I'll be, you know, publishing wave illustrations. Well, I haven't done that for a while. Um, but one, I'll be doing vectorizing. I'll be doing process. I'll be doing calligraphy. Consistently inconsistent. Yeah, I, I like that because that shows variety. And, and you should do that because you have no idea who's following you. You have no idea what might appeal to someone. I remember I, I published um, one of the fonts I was working on. I think it was Dissimo. And then I got an inquiry. Um, from Tom Ross from Design Cuts, and he he loved it, and he he you know he wanted to put it part of his one of his font bun- bundles, and so you know that that led to a you know a proper paying job, and that was something that I back then I'm denied. Oh, are people going to like this? Are people going to you know is this going to be popular or not? And sure enough, it didn't get many likes, but I tell you what, it it, it made me more money than every other post you know, <laughs> did. So I think you've just got to, you've got to do what you said. You just got to do what you love. Create what you think is dope, you know, and stop worrying about what everyone else is doing. Exactly. Exactly. And yeah. And that's it. That's beautiful. Before we go into rapid fire question, what's one piece of advice you'd give to a creative at any stage of life who struggles starting or sticking with it? Overpresent. Push yourself to give your best for every single client. You know, look at what's out there and what you love and think if, is this, you know, have I pushed myself enough to really, you know, because when you start to develop that mentality, you create this worth work ethic that you're not just pushing out mediocre designs, right? You design and execute to the best of your ability. That's what people are going to see online. 
you know, and that's, you know, if, if you've gone that extra step to over, over present, like for example, if you're presenting a, a corporate identity project to a client, give them a beautiful presentation, right? Even if they didn't pay that much for it, right? This I'm talking about early days, right? Because that is then going to be a valuable presentation for you in your portfolio that people are going to see. And then people are going to go, Oh, I like that. I'd like to hire that person to do it. If you actually just created a presentation to that budget in the early days, then people aren't going to sort of look at it and go, okay, that's what I want. That people want, people want value. And if you can just give your clients in the early days, that extra bit of value in the presentations, it acts as a, um, a very powerful uh, tool in your portfolio. That's perfect. Hutzpah was on a couple episodes ago and they all talked about like the biggest thing you could ever learn how to do is how to communicate your value. So over-presenting, going that extra mile and that quantity, that quantity and showing up and continuing to post is going to lead you to that quality. So that's the stuff you need to keep working toward. Cause yeah, you never know. You're one scroll or swipe away from having your life completely changed. And it could be from the consistently showing up and then going that little extra mile each time. And you're going to get better at every aspect of that. Your, your logos are going to look better. Your presentations are going to look better. Your ability to bring it all together with patterns and icons and all of that, it's all going to come together. And and putting it on like one of those free mock-ups online, you know, just to show what it could be like, like utility-wise being used. Exactly, and- exactly. I, um, in the early days, I used to make all of mine. Oh shit, you crazy man. Yeah, I know. It was, it was nuts. Man. I, I went all out in the early days before all these free mock-up sites yeah exactly and and and, i mean now they're kind of uh, i mean you know i think they're fantastic for clients but i don't use them in presentations that i show online and stuff like that um if i can i like to wait until i've got the real deal to then then um for sure put in your presentation but look just to give an example like you know I, I, i did a project for a brewery um about three or four years ago and I held off presenting it because I, I wanted to wait until I had the finished results and stuff like that. And then I did a really, you know, big presentation of it and I published it online. And I, I, I went above and beyond for this, this client and I wanted to. It was a passion project for me. I wanted to just throw everything at it. And it's one of my proudest projects that I've ever worked on. Um, but I, I, I did that because I wanted this to lead to other work. And now I've got several breweries that I've, I've, I've either done work or I'm still, you know, in the process of doing work for. So if a client doesn't have that budget, but it's something that you want to do or you need to get your, build your, your portfolio up, then just do it and, and, and look at it as an asset for your portfolio, you know, get it out there, put it on Behance. Someone might see it. They might connect with it and then that might lead to another job. And then with that next job, better that again, better that present presentation, use it as a benchmark and then just keep bettering and bettering and bettering. That's probably why I don't post as much anymore because I just, <laughs> I'm worn out. <laughs> <laughs> it's good to take a break, man. Yeah. All right. Rapid fire. If you were on death row, what would your last slice of pizza be? Okay. All right. So my favorite pizza is seafood marinara. I love seafood. It's, but I have a, if it's death row, I'm going to go the cheesiest pepperoni-ish. No, I'm going to go some, yeah, it's cheesy, pepperoni-ish and, and really hot just to just get that adrenaline right up, you know, just something. Scold the, the roof of your mouth. 
Oh, just go hardcore. <laughs> All right, perfect. All right, since you are the brush pen master, yeah. What's your favorite brush pen? Probably the Zebra Fine. I've just I used to use it all the time in the early days, the disposable brush pen, the 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 light gray one. Mm-hmm. That's the one I used on on the Troy Savan Blue Neighborhood title. I use it with my um, Spotify titles a bit, um, and I've done a lot of sort of soft, flowy stuff. Then I moved to the Curtake Futigo Kochi. So it's it's out of those two. All right, yeah, yeah, yeah. I own both of those, but I don't put them to work like you do. But do you know what I've got at the moment that I'm really enjoying? I've got this really nice fountain pen that I've been yeah. using. And yeah, it's, I mean, obviously it's not a brush pen, so I'm not getting thick and Like monoline script then? Yeah. And just ha- handwriting, signatures, stuff like that. So I've been enjoying using that. It's a really nice, it's, it's, it's quite, it cross pens, they sent me one because I did some work for them. And it's, it's yeah, it's silky smooth. <laughs> Dope. I really liked you. You were using the ruling pen there for a little bit too. Oh yeah. I can't ignore pen i love that i fall um you know back in love with pens all the time i might shelf them for ages um i filed filed off one of the parallel pens and i use that as a ruling at the moment and yeah customize it that, that's that's heaps of fun i use that for some of my title work man i want to assume on this one but then again assuming makes an ass of you and me so script serif or sans serif okay so you know, I'm a script guy. I've done so much of that. But then I've designed font families that are slab serifs and all, all the logo types. I love designing serifs. There's there's something about um, serif type. But, I, I've, but for every serif, I've, I've designed, you know, a sans serif. So I, as much as I love them all, you know, I, you could ask me that question on, on a different day and I'd say a different answer. But look, I'm a brush pen guy, so let's go brush pens. All right, script. Sorry, script. Me too. All right, what's your favorite typeface? And you have permission to use your own. <laughs> yes, free plug. Um, <laughs> Dissimo, Dissimo, for sure. Come on. It's the most <laughs> underrated font out there on the market. Guys, it's free on my website. It's free? Snap it up. Well, not all of it. One okay. of the weights is. <laughs> One of the weights is. All right, we'll get it linked up in the show notes for sure. Dissimo font family. Yeah, like it's a font family of eight. Like I. It took me three years to build. Guys, get out there, download it. It's it's very reasonably priced, but if you don't want to pay for it, that's fine. I'm down with that. Just download the free version. <laughs> Perfect. I'll link it up. All right, where are we at now? Uh, what do you do to recharge when you unplug for the day? I think we already know this. Yeah, well, look, this, uh, you know, my favorite thing at the moment to do um, is teaching my daughters how to surf. Uh, I've just come back from a holiday um, in Noosa where there's these these point breaks and I spent pretty much every hour of the day pushing each daughter into waves. I can't do both of them at, at the same time. So, you know, one has to go in and I go back out and I'm just throwing them into waves and seeing the progress that they've had, you know, is has been fantastic. So, yeah, teaching them how to surf, beach time, jumping on the guitar. Um, I've, I've got a, a, a band <laughs> I don't profess to be a good guitarist, guys, by the way. So if I ever meet up with anyone, don't throw me a guitar because I'm not going to impress anyone. Give them a brush pen. This is a journey. <laughs> but I've got a few mates that I surf with and we, we could all play various instruments adequately at best, um, except for one guy who, who was in a band in the UK. And, and he just said, look, I've got a heap of songs. Let's just start getting together and um, I'll teach you these songs and we can, you know, progress. And it's been amazing. It's fantastic. So, 
yeah, playing music, hanging out with the family, surfing. That's it, really. Where can people go to find you online? Probably my website's best. Um, Instagram, of course. Uh, so verg, V-E-R-G, dot com, dot A-U. Um, there are links from there to my Instagram, Behance and all of that sort of stuff. But uh, the handle for Instagram is just my name, Matt, two Ts, Vergotis. I got it all linked up in the show notes too. You're a legend, Scotty. Dude, this, this didn't even feel like a podcast recording. This felt like straight up just a nice conversation of me kind of digging and trying to get some value out of you and just being a sponge. Yeah, no worries. Does this even feel like a podcast right now? No, we're just having a chinwag, mate. Listen. A what? A chinwag. A chinwag. Chin I love it, dude. You have the best <laughs> lingo. It's always the best. Yeah. So, like, for the, for listeners that don't know, like, you and I have known each other for a long time through a Slack group. Yeah. Over two years now. Yeah, over two years now. And so we communicate, you know, almost daily sort of thing. I go in and out of phases where, you know, with my activity on it. But um, I felt like I've known you and all those guys so well for such a long time. But this is – I guess the first time we've had a, a Skype chat. Yeah, weird. It feels like I already know you. So this, I, I wouldn't even have thought about that. What about my buddy Colin Tierney? I, you know, we're super tight, you know, and I haven't had a Skype chat with him yet. So oh, damn, one day I'm, like, I'm first? I oh, know. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> that makes us like more best friends than you two. Yeah. Oh, look out. Um, but I can't wait to get over to the States one day and catch up with you guys, have a beer and just, yeah, hang out. A chin wag. And have a chin wag, a good old yarn. <laughs> no, man, I sincerely appreciate it. You are one talented ass individual and you just dropped a ton of knowledge on here, a ton of transparency. And I know me as well as the listeners are extremely grateful for your time. Thank you, dude. Cheers, mate. Pleasure. Thank, thank you so much. And you're doing a great job, mate. I really, really dig and admire what you've been doing. So uh, keep it up. Appreciate it, man. Let's keep in touch. See you, brother. Peace. There you have it. Matt Vergotas, everyone. I hope you were as blown away as I was. And he was so transparent. He was more transparent than a freshly washed window. That sucked as a metaphor, but you get my point. His insight on pricing, using social media as a tool instead of letting it use you, and his work ethic were, you know, it was just stupid valuable. I know I'll be listening to this one again, and I know he'd appreciate it if you reached out and told him thank you for the honest answers. Killer job, Matt. We all appreciate your time and your nuggets of wisdom. Moving on to this week's dose of inspiration. And this one goes to Kareel Lee Jones on Instagram. That is K-I-R-I-L-E-I-G-H-J-O-N-E-S. Kareelie Jones. She creates some of the most beautiful and detailed mandalas, lettering, flowers, etc. And she does this on literally any type of canvas she can find like stair steps, skate decks, and any type of wall that you see in a, a building or inside a home, whatever. She has an extremely distinctive style and I'm obsessed with her murals specifically. I highly recommend you checking her out on Instagram. Again, that's Kareli Jones on Instagram. Sorry, that one's hard to say. I'm sorry if I butchered your name. You're probably not listening, but it is what it is. Let's talk about community here. So if you're looking for accountability, community, a place to share your work, give and receive solid feedback, 
get access to resources like hand lettering tips, public speaking tips, murals, pricing, whatever, that'll elevate your creative game, then I encourage you to check out the Perspective Dash Collective Facebook group I'm building. We have a thriving community right now, and we would love to have you be a part of the family. Hop on Facebook, search for The Perspective Dash Collected to get involved with some rad people, as I'm really only extending this invite out to podcast listeners because you're the right type of people for this. If you're enjoying what you hear and you want to support the growth of the show, I have a few ways you can make that happen. Three to be exact. The first way is by becoming a backer at patreon.com slash perspective podcast. Not only can you donate per episode with as little as much as your weekly cup of coffee, but I do my best to hook you up with some rewards in return. So it's a win-win and I'm always open to feedback of other kind of rewards that I can offer you for becoming a pledger. You know, shoot me an email. And the second way to support the show is for you crypto heads out there. In the show notes for each episode, I'll have addresses for Bitcoin, Ether, or Litecoin donations if you want to go that route. Finally, you can leave a ratings or review over on iTunes. It not only helps the show get discovered, but it gives me an opportunity to give you, the listener, a nice little thank you plug like this week's rating and review. And this one comes from Brittany underscore Michelle. It's called The Proof is in the Pudding. And bear with me, it's a long one, but it's heartfelt and I dig it. She says, The title could not be more truth in this case. This podcast seriously puts things into perspective. I have followed Scotty's Instagram for quite some time and decided to give his podcast a listen and it's my absolute favorite. The questions are so specific and the interviews are so in-depth, I learn so much every time. I have issues second-guessing myself and my work and being a freelancer and this podcast gives the best perspective that I never feel alone in my struggles. It's now a regular ritual of mine to get myself in the zone and the push I need to get through the week. Thank you so much, Brittany. I sincerely appreciate the honest review and for you giving the podcast a chance in the first place outside of just my work. And as I wrap things up, you know I gotta give a huge thank you to my homegirl, Brynja, for making this sound so good all the way from Ireland. And a huge thanks goes to Nick Jenkins of Bluka for all the dope theme music you hear on the show. Check them out at SoundCloud or at Instagram at Bluka. That's B-L-O-O-K-A-H. And as you finish off your week strong, I want to encourage you to keep showing up, keep putting in the work, and keep creating. You got this. You got this.